It's very common for Western governments and media outlets to tell the rest of the world it should be very afraid of North Korea and its nuclear weapons, or to warn everyone that Iran could one day soon have nukes. But the reality is that there is only one country in human history that has used nuclear weapons against a civilian population, and not once, but twice. And that, of course, was the United States. On the 6th and 9th of August, 1945, the U.S. military dropped nuclear bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Around 200,000 Japanese civilians were killed in this nuclear attack. Now, still today, nearly 80 years later, it is still very common to hear officials in the United States and teachers in the U.S. education system claim that the U.S. military had to nuke Japan in order to end World War II. I studied in the United States as a child. I went to public school and my teachers over many years told me this. However, it is false. If you do very basic study, if you read the history of World War II, you can find that in reality, it was not necessary for the United States to bomb Japan with these nuclear bombs that killed 200,000 people. This was a political decision taken by the United States aimed at the Soviet Union. This was the first act of the Cold War. And the reality was that the Soviet Union was on the verge of liberating Japan, of overthrowing the Japanese fascist regime that had been allied with Nazi Germany. And the United States was afraid that if the Soviets defeated Japanese fascism, then Japan, the post-fascist government in Japan, the, it, would, it would be created later on, would become an ally of the Soviet Union and would go socialist. And of course, right immediately at the end of World War II, the U.S. launched the Cold War against the Soviet Union and against socialism all around the world. Now, this might sound like a controversial opinion, but it's not an opinion. It's actually a documented fact that we can see reflected in U.S. government documents and many mainstream historians in the United States at top universities have written about this history. This is the real history of the U.S. nuclear bombing of Japan. It was a political decision. And today I'm going to look through the evidence including from the U.S. government itself, the U.S. Department of War, which at that time, that's what it was called. Today, it's known as the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. It changed its name in the 1940s after World War II. The U.S. Department of War published a strategic bombing survey in 1946 that reviewed the impact of the U.S. bombing in World War II. And that U.S. government document admitted that the U.S. nuclear bombing of Japan was not necessary to end the war. Japan was already going to surrender by the end of 1945. Instead, the U.S. bombing again was aimed at the Soviet Union. But before that, I want to also briefly look at comments that were made by the U.S. president who succeeded the president who dropped the atomic bombs. So, of course, the president who nuked Japan was... Harry Truman. 
But his successor, Dwight Eisenhower, was a top U.S. military general, and Eisenhower also oversaw the U.S. military's operations in Germany and France in World War II. And it's not that well known that in reality, Eisenhower wrote a memoir in 1963 in which he criticized the U.S. nuking of Japan, and he admitted that it was not necessary for the U.S. to drop the atomic bomb on Japan. Now, this history is also important to correct because Hollywood released the blockbuster film Oppenheimer this July 2023, and this was directed by Christopher Nolan. It was a huge success, and there has been some criticism of the film because while it does humanize the physicist at the Los Alamos factory of the Manhattan Project, who was credited with helping to create the atomic bomb, Robert Oppenheimer, who later regretted the role he made in creating the atomic bomb and campaigned against nuclear proliferation. And he ironically even became a victim later on of the U.S. government's McCarthyism. But at the same time, the film has been criticized because people say that it whitewashes the brutality of the U.S. killing 200,000 Japanese civilians in these atomic bombings. The, the film doesn't show the nuking of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm not going to be talking about the film today, but I think it's important to look at the real historical documents to understand the historical record so you can better understand these films that are made in, you know, 2023, nearly 80 years later, and be historically informed. In 1963, former President Eisenhower published a memoir titled Mandate for Change. And in this book, he recalls an incident in 1945 when the U.S. Secretary of War, Stimson, and of course, that was what the Secretary of Defense would be known as today, before the Pentagon changed its name from the Department of War to the Department of Defense. So the U.S. Commander of the, the Secretary of the Military visited Eisenhower's headquarters in Germany. And let's not forget that Eisenhower was overseeing the U.S. military operations in Germany at the time. And he informed Eisenhower, Stimson, that the U.S. government was preparing to drop an atomic bomb on Japan. And Eisenhower wrote, he said, quote, I was one of those who felt that there were a number of cogent reasons to question the wisdom of such an act. So Eisenhower did not think it was a good idea. And he told the Secretary of War, who apparently assumed that he was going to expect that Eisenhower would support the decision, Eisenhower said no. And here's what he wrote in his memoir. He said, during his recitation of the relevant facts, I had been conscious of a feeling of depression. And so I voiced to him my grave misgivings, first on the basis of my belief that Japan was already defeated and that dropping the bomb was completely unnecessary. I want to repeat, Former U.S. President Eisenhower, a top commander of the U.S. military, wrote in his memoir that it was completely unnecessary to drop the nuclear bombs on Japan. But I'm going to go back and continue here. Eisenhower added, secondly, I thought that our country should avoid shocking world opinion by the use of a weapon whose employment was, I thought, no longer mandatory as a measure to save American lives. It was my belief that Japan was, at that very moment, 
seeking some way to surrender with a minimum loss of face. And the Secretary of War, Stimson, was deeply perturbed by Eisenhower's attitude, angrily refuting the reason I gave for my quick conclusions. That's what Eisenhower wrote in 1963. Now, Eisenhower's opinion was also reflected in the 1946 strategic bombing survey published by the U.S. military that came to the exact same conclusion. I'm going to look at that document in a minute here. I want to briefly look at another very interesting historical document that is not very well known. And all of this research, I should give credit to Gumby for. This is a, a Twitter researcher who does a lot of very important work on the CIA and the U.S. national security state. And he found this reporting from the U.S. journalist Edgar Snow in a book that he published in 1958. And he recalls a visit that Eisenhower, as a top U.S. general, took to the Soviet Union in August 1945. This is the same month when the Truman administration dropped the nuclear bombs on Japan. And it shows that there were many people, even in the U.S. military, who did not want the war, the Cold War, on the Soviet Union. Of course, at least on paper at this moment, the USSR was a U.S. ally. It was part of the allied powers fighting against fascism, fighting against Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, and fascist Japan. But in this book, Eisenhower says that before the atom bomb was used on Japan, I would have said, yes, I was sure we could keep the peace with Russia. Now I don't know. So this reflects the fact that Eisenhower didn't want to wage a war with the Soviet Union and that the cold warriors in the U.S. government who helped oversee the creation of the Cold War and oversee the bombing, the nuclear bombing of Japan, they saw the atom bombing of Japan as a political act aimed at the Soviet Union. And Eisenhower actually said in this 1945 meeting in the Soviet Union, quote, until now I would have said that we three, Britain with her mighty, that is naval fleet, America with the strongest air force, and Russia, the Soviet Union, with the longest land force on the continent, we three could have guaranteed the peace of the world for a long, long time to come. But now I don't know. People are frightened and disturbed all over. Everyone feels insecure again. And that was, of course, because of the Cold War, which immediately began right at the end of World War II, before World War II even ended. And what I'm going to show in the rest of this video today is a clip from another video that I did back in July 2022 after the killing of Shinzo Abe, the former far-right leader of Japan. And in that video, which was over an hour long, I talked about the history of the Japanese fascists who were allied with Nazi Germany and how the United States, the CIA specifically, rehabilitated many of those Japanese war criminals from the fascist Japanese empire, freeing them from prison and helping them to create the right-wing political party that has basically controlled Japanese politics since the 1950s, which is the LDP, the Liberal Democratic Party, which is actually a very right-wing party despite its name. And the reality is that this party is very closely linked to fascism. So I did a very long video about that and I'll link it in the description below. But toward the end of the video, I reviewed the historical evidence showing that the U.S. government admitted that it was not necessary to nuke Japan. So I'm going to conclude this video here 
just showing the rest of that clip. Only the United States. It is the only country in history that has used nuclear weapons not once, but twice on a civilian population. Now, how many people died in the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? A low estimate of 100,000. A more accurate estimate is probably 200,000 people, civilians, massacred, slaughtered by the US so-called democracy. Now, this isn't in any way to downplay the horrific atrocities carried out by the fascist Japanese empire. So let me start here with a little known document, which is very important historically. This is the United States Strategic Bombing Survey. You can find this at the Harry Truman Library and Museum. This is part of trumanlibrary.gov. This is part of the U.S. government's National Archives. This is the text from the U.S. Department of War's Strategic Bombing Survey. They say here, quote, It seems clear that even without the atomic bombing attacks, air supremacy over Japan could have exerted sufficient pressure to bring about unconditional surrender and obviate the need for invasion. So once again, that's them acknowledging the nuclear bombing was not necessary. Here they say it as clear as day. Again, this is the mouth of the U.S. government. Quote, Based on a detailed investigation of all of the facts and supported by the testimony of the surviving Japanese leaders involved, it is the U.S. government survey's opinion that certainly prior to December 31st of 1945, and in all probability prior to November 1st of 1945, here is the exact words of the U.S. government, quote, Japan would have surrendered even if the atomic bombs had not been dropped, even if Russia, that is the Soviet Union, had not entered the war, and even if no invasion had been planned or contemplated. Let me, let me repeat that. Japan would have surrendered even if the atomic bombs had not been dropped. This is the mouth of the U.S. government admitting, killing, two, liquidating, massacring 200,000 Japanese civilians was not necessary to end the war. Japan was on the verge of surrendering anyway. And why did it do that? Why did the U.S. government massacre 200,000 civilians? Like I said, it was a sign to the Soviet Union. It was the first act of the first Cold War. It was the United States telling the Soviet Union, Japan is going to be our colony. We are going to control Japan. Socialism is not going to take root in Japan. Japan is not going to be a Soviet ally. If you don't believe me, here once again is, here are words from the mouth of the U.S. government. This is the Manhattan Project archive created by the U.S. Department of Energy at osti.gov. Harry Truman, when he received the word of the success of the Trinity test of nuclear weapons, his need for the help of the Soviet Union in the war against Japan was greatly diminished. Truman and his advisors were now not sure if they wanted Soviet help. Soviet leader Joseph Stalin had promised to join the war against Japan by August 15th, 1945. But Truman and his advisors were not sure they wanted the Soviet Union to help. 
if they used the atomic bomb and that made victory possible without an, a Soviet invasion, then accepting Soviet help would only invite them, the Soviets, into the discussions regarding the post-war fate of Japan. Other historians argue that Japan would have surrendered even without the use of the atomic bomb, and that in fact Truman and his advisors used Truman and his advisors used the bomb only in an effort to intimidate the Soviet Union. This is the U.S. Department of Energy admitting that this was assigned to intimidate the Soviet Union. This was the first act of the Cold War, the first Cold War. And here, once again, the U.S. government admits, quote, Truman hoped to avoid having to share the administration of Japan with the Soviet Union. Here is history.com, which they, they admit it too. This article from 2022 is titled, the Hiroshima bombing did not end World War, did not just end World War II, it kickstarted the Cold War. The colossal power of the atomic bomb drove the world's two leading superpowers into a new confrontation. Here's another article in a mainstream outlet. This is as mainstream as it gets in Washington, Foreign Policy Magazine, very mainstream. They say, the bomb didn't beat Japan, Stalin did. It was not the nuclear bombing that the U.S. carried out that, that defeated Japan. It was the Soviet Union that defeated Japan. The U.S. dropped nuclear bombs on Japan in order to prevent the Soviet Union from having influence in Japan and preventing Japan from going socialist. The U.S. massacred 200,000 Japanese civilians in order to protect capitalism. This is a mainstream historian, Ward Wilson, writing in the mainstream Washington establishment magazine, Foreign Policy. Although the bombs did force an immediate end to the war, Japan's leaders, Japan's leaders had wanted to surrender anyway and likely would have done so before the American invasion planned for November 1st. Their use was therefore unnecessary. So why did they do it if it was unnecessary? It was to prevent the Soviet Union from having influence in Japan. And this is a very long article. He goes into detail explaining the scale of the bombing and the brutal U.S. Uh, Air Force bombing of Japan. 68 cities in Japan were attacked and all of them were either partially or completely destroyed. Over 80% of the buildings in Japan were destroyed. 1.7 million Japanese people, these are civilians we're talking about, were made homeless. 300,000 Japanese civilians were killed. 750,000 Japanese civilians were wounded. 66 of these air raids carried out by the U.S. Army Air Force were carried out with conventional bombs, two with atomic bombs. So, brutal U.S. bombing. But obviously, this isn't in any way to, to whitewash the horrific crimes committed by the Japanese fascists. As I spent an hour talking about, the U.S. government recruited those Japanese fascists. So, this scholar talks about why the U.S. nuclear bombing of Japan was not necessary to force Japan to have unconditional surrender. So, he says, if the Japanese were not concerned with city bombing in general, or the atomic bombing of Hiroshima in particular, what were they concerned with? The answer is simple. The Soviet Union. They were afraid of a Soviet all-out invasion of Japan. He writes that the question was not whether to continue. 
but how to bring the war to a close under the best terms possible. So the U.S. government wanted Japan to be its colony on the best terms possible. So he writes, one way to gauge whether it was the bombing of Hiroshima or the invasion and declaration of war by the Soviet Union that caused Japan's surrender is to compare the way in which these two events affected the strategic situation. After Hiroshima was bombed on August 6th, both options for, were still alive for Japan. Bombing Hiroshima did not foreclose either of Japan's strategic options. The impact of the Soviet declaration of war and the Soviet invasion of Manchuria was quite different, however. Once the Soviet Union declared war in Japan, Stalin could no longer act as a mediator. He was now a belligerent, so the diplomatic option for Japan was wiped out by the Soviet move. The effect on the military situation was equally dramatic. When the Russians invaded Manchuria, they sliced through what had once been an elite army and many Russian units only stopped when they ran out of gas. The Soviet, un Soviet invasion invalidated the, the Japanese military's decisive battle strategy just as it invalidated the Japanese diplomatic strategy. At a single stroke, the Soviet Union uh, evaporated all of Japan's options. The Soviet invasion was strategically decisive. It foreclosed both of Japan's options, that is, the military option and the diplomatic option, while the bombing of Hiroshima was not decisive. It did not foreclose either of Japan's options of military solution or diplomacy. And he writes, again, this is Foreign Policy Magazine, as mainstream as it gets. Attributing the end of the war to the atomic bomb served Japan's interest in multiple ways, but it also served U.S. interests. If the atomic bomb won the war, then the perception of U.S. military power would be enhanced. U.S. diplomatic influence in Asia and around the world would increase. So this is part of the narrative of the U.S. empire. The narrative is the U.S. ended World War II with the nuclear bombs, which were supposedly necessary, even though the U.S. government internally admitted that the atomic bombing was actually not necessary, and that helped strengthen the U.S. empire around the world, and especially in Asia, and it prevented Japan from going socialist, and it prevented Japan from becoming an ally of the Soviet Union. And I should say that the, leader, the leaders of the resistance against Nazism in Europe, the leaders of the resistance against Italian fascism in Europe were the communists. And similarly, in Japan, the leaders of the anti-fascist resistance were socialists, unified by the Japan Socialist Party. If the U.S. had not turned Japan into a colony, if it had not militarily occupied Japan from 1945 until 1952, and then created a right-wing puppet regime, which has controlled Japan since 1955 in a one-party right-wing regime dominated by the LDP party, the Liberal Democratic Party, the right-wing party of Shinzo Abe and his grandfather, the, the fascist war criminal. If the U.S. had not done all of that, the most likely historical scenario is that Japan would have gone socialist. That is what is likely would have happened. That's likely is what, what would have happened. Japan would have gone socialist it would have become an ally of the Soviet Union, and then it would have become an ally of, of the People's Republic of China when the communists took over in 1949. So you would have the Soviet Union, Japan, and China as three massive communist superpowers. That is why 
the U.S. massacred 200,000 Japanese civilians by dropping the, the nuclear bombs to prevent Japan from going socialist. Here he had says, if on the other hand, the Soviet entry into the war was what caused Japan to surrender, then the Soviets could claim that they were able to do in four days what the United States was unable to do in four years. The perception of Soviet military power and Soviet diplomatic influence would be enhanced. And once the Cold War, that is the first Cold War, was underway, asserting that the Soviet entry had been the decisive factor would have been tantamount to giving aid and comfort to the enemy. So the U.S. atomic bomb did not beat Japan. The Soviet Union defeated Japan in World War II. With that, I'm going to end here. I'm Ben Norton, the editor of Geopolitical Economy Report. Please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on, especially on YouTube. It helps to promote our material in the algorithm. If you want to support the work that we do, please consider going to geopoliticaleconomy.com support. And there are several ways you can donate. The best way is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopolitical economy. We have no institutional support. We have no big sponsors. We rely entirely on small donations from viewers and listeners. I want to thank all of you. I'll see you next time.